I'm Valerie Joanne, and you're listening to the Curly Talk Podcast. No, this podcast is not about hair, but about the curly, topsy-turvy life of moi. Basically, learn self-development, spirituality, life lessons, and more from my mistakes, triumphs, and victories. It's a crazy curly world out there, so hopefully you learn a thing or two. If not, you'll at least be entertained. No matter if you do it for an hour, a day, a month, or a year, you are simply amazing. Hello and welcome back to Curly Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Valerie Joanne, and today we are talking about my birth and my breastfeeding journey because it is officially Black Breastfeeding Week, and this month of August is World Breastfeeding Month, and the last week of the month of August is to celebrate Black Breastfeeding Week for Black mothers, and I just wanted to answer some frequently asked questions about my birth. I put a poll up in my Instagram story and I answered some of those questions and I also talked about like my breastfeeding journey because a lot of times I just don't think that there's enough information out there or people sharing their stories especially for women of color specifically especially with the systemic and financial limitations when it comes to being able to breastfeed our babies and even cultural differences as well. I noticed that my black side of the family actually when they give birth my mom told me the story that my grandma, so my dad's mom, so her (laughs) mother-in-law, told her to like tape up her boobs so that way she wouldn't be like lactating so that way her boobs wouldn't like get as much milk and stuff because it wasn't common to breastfeed in my black side of the family. It was just easier to just give formula and also like how hard it is to work and pump and to store the milk and to bring the milk back and then you're washing all the parts so that takes extra time. Sorry if you hear an airplane, I'm just gonna roll with it. But there is just a lot of extra hurdles that comes with being able to breastfeed and a lot of privileges with being able to breastfeed and I don't think that they're talked about enough. Like I had, I would not have been able to have a successful breastfeeding journey at almost eight months of breastfeeding if it wasn't for the education, resources, and support that I have all around me because you'll listen to it in the story, but like the beginning of the breastfeeding journey was not easy and I had a lot of complications. Cyrus had a lot of complications and it has taken effort and patience and hope and just honestly education. I do not think I would have a successful breastfeeding journey if it wasn't for the education that I received when I was pregnant and buying a breastfeeding class to know everything because it's a lot of information that people don't know of and there's a lot of misconceptions. Like someone recently told me that in like 40 years ago, doctors would say like that their milk wasn't as nutritious enough and so that they should stop breastfeeding. And that was the only reason. When there's literally no such thing as your breast milk not being nutritional enough unless you're like snorting cocaine or something. Like I'm like unless you're doing drugs you can breastfeed. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's no such thing. So, it is frustrating. Or the mom can be deficient in certain things, but to say that, like, it's not nutritional enough, your baby isn't thriving off of it, mm, there's more to the story that we're not, that we're not paying attention to. And also, too, going back to my point about cultural differences, (laughs) 
My Mexican side of the family is like the complete opposite. I feel like a lot of Mexican culture, at least from what I've seen, is very much pro-breastfeeding. Like one of my tias, whenever she comes over, she always asks me if I'm still breastfeeding. And then even when I go to Oscar's family's house, it is like I always get asked if I'm still breastfeeding and stuff because it is seen as more, like it is seen as more hierarchical or like better than like doing formula and there's a lot of stigma about not being able to breastfeed in the Mexican community. So it is interesting seeing the differences within cultures and how they relate to breastfeeding and babies and all that fun stuff. But there is definitely like stigma of breastfeeding, want having to like cover up in public and all that shit. And I will never do that. Like, no. And it's just a lot of like more effort to try to like cover up your baby. Like, I don't cover up myself when I eat. Why would I cover up my son while he's eating? Like, no, my boob is out. You see boobs on billboards, but me feeding my child isn't good. Luckily, I have not had any issues with breastfeeding in public. I have not had anyone like look at me weird. I think some people looked at me weird when I was breastfeeding during my graduation and that one kind of did stress me out a bit because you could see 360 around me since I was in like the stands, you know, and it was packed, but it is what it is. They got to deal with it. <laughs> he was hungry. Nope. My mom didn't want to go get some warm water to warm up the milk. So, so then my week. How has this week been? My mom was supposed to have surgery, got canceled, and what else did I do this week? Got my eyebrows done, and I went to LA last Saturday, which was fun. I honestly don't think I did much this week. I'm gonna be honest. I did record this as a YouTube video too, so I am gonna be starting to have my podcast up on YouTube, which I'm excited about. I don't think I'm gonna get it up this Friday. I think I'm gonna start doing it like next week, but I did record this episode as a YouTube video, so or talk about it more next week because hopefully I can get it out. And then I think that's pretty much. This week has been pretty chill. I kind of stayed home pretty much the entire week because I did not want to leave. And yeah, so the sponsor of this week's episode is my intuitive guidance readings. Uh, my intuitive guidance readings is a 50-minute Zoom call with moi. And basically, we go over an area or topic in your life. We kind of like look at something that maybe you feel stuck on or you feel lost or you feel like you just need some guidance on. And we'll talk it out a bit. And then I will use my intuition and connect with your body, with your spirit and my spirit guides to kind of like help guide you and uncover hidden truths and also help you with some advice on how to either clear the stuckness or kind of point you in the right direction. The way I see it, it's like helping you uncover the path that's hidden in the fog that's more in alignment with who you are or if you're already on that path then just shining a light on the next step so it doesn't feel like you're doing it in the dark or with a blindfold on but it feels like you're supported and you know at least how to move forward even if it's only one step forward because that one step could lead you catapulting into wherever you need to go and it is basically like a individual version of my life coaching sessions. I highly, highly, highly recommend to do a life coaching session if you really want to impact your life, but the intuitive guidance is really good for like individual things if you kind of just need a push or a little bit of help without completely rearranging your life but kind of like the little push in the right direction so if you want to book that with me 
I'll have the link in the show notes below as well as the application to do life coaching with me as I have two spots available. So let's just get started on this week's episode. So this Friday that I'm uploading it, we are smack dab in the middle of Black Breastfeeding Week and I am so excited because breastfeeding has just been such a big journey and such a big part of my life for this past seven months, almost eight months next Friday. And Black Breastfeeding Week is from August 25th until August 31st and it is the last week of the month of August. So the entire month of August is National Breastfeeding Month and the first week of August is National Breastfeeding Week and that's when a lot of creators happen and then throughout the month they have different minorities and honoring their breastfeeding journeys. And specifically the last week of August is dedicated for black mothers and being a black mother and breastfeeding I wanted to create just an episode about that honoring myself, honoring my journey because black women are disproportionately affected for both birth. They're three to four times more likely to die during childbirth or postpartum issues and they're also a lot less likely to breastfeed than white women specifically and it is just so frustrating because it is definitely because of lack of resources, a lack of help, a lack of education that has been systemically happening to the black community for decades and even longer than decades like hundreds of years centuries yeah centuries so it's just really frustrating that we're still seeing the effects of that today in different ways and in one of the ways it is being highlighted is with breastfeeding and as a black woman myself I just think it's very cool that I was able to give birth at a birth center out of hospital and that I've been able to breastfeed successfully for the past seven months and I just feel so grateful for that and I feel like it's just my existence and like Cyrus's existence with me through this journey is just like a big F you to the systems in place that have been trying to keep black and minority people down and I'm just happy that my existence gets to be one of breaking through the oppression and breaking through the systems because if it wasn't for my ancestors and all the sacrifices that they've made, I would not be able to be here or to be able to be the cycle breaker and be able to break out of the system and to shake it up for what it's worth. So for that, I'm entirely grateful and that is what I'm dedicating this podcast episode to. So I'm super excited. I'm also excited that this is the first one that I'm uploading on YouTube. So make sure you go check that out but I did first want to talk about like the birth and then my breastfeeding journey and just kind of like how it's related to like myself and like my dream self and everything so first I did want to talk about the birth and like I have my entire birth story a couple episodes back so if you haven't listened to that make sure you listen to that and I did also want to like mention that behind the scenes or like other thoughts about it so I did put a question box in my Instagram story so if you're not following me on Instagram it's Valerie Joanne two R's in Valerie two N's in Joanne and I'm just gonna like pull it up real quick. So someone asked about the cost comparison between an out-of-hospital or water birth versus a hospital birth, and so I did see an OBGYN for the beginning of my pregnancy. I saw the OBGYN for... I think I saw them three times and I went to my prenatal visits and I thought they would be completely covered through my insurance and I have PPO insurance so I thought they would be fully covered. They were completely in network with my providers and everything so I was like okay cool I won't have to pay anything. Lo and behold each visit was like 60 to 80 dollars. 
for a prenatal visit. And mind you, all they're doing is checking my weight, checking my blood pressure, bringing me back, asking if I have any questions, checking the baby's heart rate, and then setting me off. And it would take an hour for the appointment, and I would only see the doctor for like two seconds. Like, I kid you not, like less than a minute, I would see the doctor. And I'd be paying 60 to $80 for that. I could do that over the phone. I'm fine. I don't know how to calculate that. In the beginning of your pregnancy, you see an OBGYN once a month until you are... 26 weeks? I completely forgot. Until you're like 20-something weeks. Then you see it twice a month. I think 30 weeks. Twice a month. And then at 36 weeks, you go once a week. And this is the same for my midwifery as well. And I also had to pay like $200 for the genetic testing that we did and all the ultrasounds through the insurance. So honestly, it's expensive to have a baby and it would have been a lot of money for me to do it within the hospital. Whereas for the birth center, it costs $5,200 and you can do payment plans and they work with you with that. And they were so nice that they only charged us 3600 because we just couldn't afford the full 5200 but in retrospect when you like looked back at it we probably would have paid more for the hospital because just for the prenatal visits plus the entire hospital visit and then all the other extra cares that we would have had to do within the hospital and everything we probably would have paid more in the hospital than we did at the birth center. And so honestly, depending on your insurance, it could be less money, it could be the same amount of money, or it could be more. It really just depends on your insurance and where you live because the U.S. has a fucked up medical care system where you have to pay to literally do anything to get seen by a doctor, but that isn't this conversation. (laughs) So it was $3,600 for us with the discounted rate, but for 5200 that also includes like every single visit and you're with the midwives for like two hours every single appointment, not just go in, go out. Like they take their time, like they take their time to get to know you, they take their time to take care of you, to be with you, to help you answer any and all your questions. They check your full history, like they do beyond the level of care that an OBGYN does in the United States. And then on top of that, that also includes the 20-week anatomy scan. And I don't think it includes the genetic testing. I don't think it includes that. But it also includes six the postpartum. So they check you uh, 24 hours after, three days after, a week, two weeks, four weeks, and six weeks. And that's already a lot more visits than you get for an OBGYN because you only get seen at the six weeks, but they check you 24 hours. And for the first two weeks, they actually come to your home to do your post, like postnatal care and also to do the baby's pediatric care. So I didn't even have to take the baby to pediatrics until after his six weeks. And it was so nice because I never had to leave my house to take the baby to the hospital because they would just come into my house and they would do all the checks there for me and the baby. And it was just so nice. Like I would also take text them with a lot of questions about breastfeeding and they're helping me like with latch and everything they helped me figure out that he had a tongue tie and it was just like a lot like I just feel so grateful for the amount of care like honestly I think it's dirt cheap for the amount of care and level that you're getting and it definitely can be a barrier but they also do take medical for the specific birth center that I went to which is amazing and they just like really care because they don't want the cost to be something that deters you from getting the level of care that people deserve. That's what I wanted to say about that. And then someone asked me why, what made me choose the route to have an out-of-hospital birth versus a hospital birth. And so originally, what actually got me into water births or what got 
brought me to know about them was I saw a video on YouTube of a black woman giving birth in a pool in her house and it was a home birth and I did knew nothing about it beforehand but that Twitter that tweet went viral and she was talking about how she was asleep during labor and how her labor was like the most beautiful thing and I saw that tweet and I was like okay this is what I want like I'm gonna do that and mind you I saw that tweet when I was like probably 19 20 no I think I was like 19 18 19 and mind you like I wasn't pregnant or anything I wasn't thinking about having kids nothing and I saw the tweet I was like that's what's gonna happen when I give birth like I'm gonna have a water birth and I did not think much of it I kind of just buried it in the back of my head never thought about it again and then when I got pregnant I just did the standard of care with like the OBGYN because I didn't know that there was like an in-between. So I thought you could only have a home birth or I thought you could have a hospital birth. I didn't know that they had like birth centers and I was going through the OBGYN and I started researching how I can have a water birth because I currently live with like my grandma and my mom and honestly like with my living situation, I just do not have the space to be having a water birth nor would I want to have a home birth at this house. So there's no space either. So I just started researching more options. I think I was like two months pregnant. I think it was like eight weeks actually. Yeah, I think I was like eight weeks. I found out I was pregnant at four and I was like six. Yeah, so about two months. Ugh few months pregnant, couple months pregnant, and I found out that they have birth centers, and then I found out that there was a birth center in my town that I live in. So, so convenient. They're literally, like, five minutes away from where I live. So, so, so convenient, and I called them. I got a tour, and I was like, okay, I want to switch my care over here. Um, They don't see their clients or patients until you are uh, 13 weeks, so in your second trimester, and... I was just a very anxious person. I've always been anxious, so I was still seeing an OBGYN because I wanted to have some sort of knowing that the baby was safe because I had this very bad anxiety about having a miscarriage. And to be honest, I have no reason for having that fear other than having that fear. Like, I just had it, and there is nothing logical about me having it. I just had that fear, and so I just wanted to get care. So that's why I was still seeing an OBGYN even after I decided that I was going to switched to the birth center. The biggest, another big reason that made me want to choose a birth center was the fact that black women are three to four times more likely to die in a hospital. That was just a big statistic for me to realize that even though there's like risks of having a birth outside of the hospital in the sense of if there's an emergency, there would be time to, like a time difference in getting the care. But I feel, but I learned a lot more about that later on. I'll discuss that. But for me, as a black woman, having a low-risk, healthy pregnancy, I was less likely to die during childbirth outside of the hospital, which is ridiculous. And that was just a big factor for me, to be honest. And the more I researched about birth and pregnancy and how to give birth, giving birth unmedicated, hospital policies, the more I realized of how much of an injustice there is in the system and how much it disproportionately affects women of color and it just fueled my rage i have a whole entire speech about giving birth out of the hospital i it's called birth justice i need to record it for youtube in the podcast but 
I have a whole entire speech about it and I'm just so passionate about it. I, you can probably hear it in my voice, but it is just something that I'm super, super duper passionate about. And I did have like family and friends tell me that I was stupid and that I was crazy for giving birth out of a hospital and that I was putting my life and the baby's life in danger. But honestly, like I wasn't. Statistically speaking, I really wasn't. And I just find that really sad to be honest. And I'm very glad that I gave birth out of a hospital. I talked to like people who've given birth in a hospital versus like my birth and like it's just such a different level of care like it's honestly ridiculous and like I just feel so grateful that I was able to have that opportunity and to have the resources the education and the knowledge to make that decision and to have a birth that I dreamed of because I dreamed of having a water birth I dreamed of giving birth like honestly I didn't even really care about the medicated part like if I if I could have an epidural in a birth center I probably would have it was just the hospital that I didn't like and I'm glad I didn't have an epidural like after going through it because the hormones is just like so nice the relief and being able to walk right after you give birth I don't think I think I'd go crazy honestly if my legs if I couldn't feel my legs just because I again my anxiety but anyways different story different topic and that was just kind of like where I was at to be honest and that was the biggest decision and the biggest reason why I chose to have an out of hospital birth and it was the greatest decision I've made being able to go home two hours after the birth having the care come to me postpartum being able to text them with any questions having talking to them multiple times instead of just six weeks postpartum and being treated as a person with every prenatal visit instead of being treated as a number and like are you good good okay bye it is just so different and I really wish that every woman could experience this I don't want to also like put out because I feel like I kind of had that like vibe the last podcast episode I talked about my birth but there is nothing better or worse giving birth in a hospital or a birth center and you're not superior if you give birth out of a hospital or if you give birth in a hospital it is literally just preference and I do think that it really is just at the fault of the hospital staff and the doctors and hospital policies like I don't think it's any individual's fault or any individual's like pure responsibility I think as long as we have the education and we take the time to know pros and cons of each situation then I think that's really all you could ask for to be honest because I just when I the more I researched about hospital births the more I just didn't like it it just felt like they had more control over me than I had control over my birth and I didn't like that they would tell me no or tell me I need to do things that I didn't want to do and I just didn't like that so I chose not to do it and I do think that there is a better level of care at a hospital if you see the right midwives and again there's always going to be caveats to this rule 100% there's probably OBGYNs that are like amazing superior spend an hour with you too and there's probably midwives who are like an OBGYN or they're just not that great and that happens I'm not saying it doesn't but I just think the level of care is completely different but yeah that is kind of my spiel about birth and everything I feel like those were the most common questions and misconceptions and this podcast is already a bit longer than I would have liked it to be So onto my breastfeeding journey. So I think the biggest reason why black women are at a disadvantage in terms of the percentage of women breastfeeding is for a multitude of reasons. And I think one of them is for resources. And one of the resources is education and access to education. 
And specifically, I believe that, so before, when I was pregnant, I took a breastfeeding class. I used the lactation link breastfeeding class and I really liked it. I learned a lot. I know a lot about breastfeeding, to be honest, and about birth. If you have questions, let me know. I got all the answers. (laughs) I love being a know-it-all. And anyways, but I took a breastfeeding class when I was pregnant and I learned a lot and that was like my access to education and I don't think I would have had a successful breastfeeding journey if it wasn't for taking a breastfeeding class. And I remember the statistics, I think it's like you're 40% more likely to have a successful breastfeeding journey if you take a breastfeeding class while you're pregnant and that is crazy. And I don't know the exact statistics, so don't quote me on that, but it's something like crazy like that, like 20% or something or more. I honestly don't remember. I'll look it up and I'll put it in the show notes. But anyways, okay, my mouth was getting dry. I'm really, really, really glad I took it. It was such a great investment, to be honest. So when he was born, he didn't latch. He like kind of latched right away, but he didn't really. Like he wasn't suckling. He kind of like put his mouth over my nipple and like kind of latched. And then we went home and he would not latch at all for the first 24 hours. So during that time, I was expressing my colostrum. And I would either put it in a spoon or put it in a syringe and we were syringe feeding him or spoon feeding him. I did not give him a bottle because introducing a bottle too early can uh, delay or inhibit breastfeeding success or latch success. And so we were just spoon feeding him, syringe feeding him. And then I learned that from the breastfeeding class. If I did not learn about that during the breastfeeding class, I probably would not have had a successful breastfeeding journey. And she literally talked about how a baby did not latch for 24 hours and what they did. And I did all those things. I would still try every time. Um, I would express colostrum on my nipple so he gets like some of that instant gratification, Um, but he just wouldn't latch. And then at the 24 hours, literally exactly 24 hours after he was born, he finally latched. But after that, we realized that he wasn't withdrawing, like he wasn't actually getting any milk or a lot of colostrum because his wet diapers decreased. So then I started expressing again and spoon feeding him on top of getting him to latch and suckle. And then after like the 48 hours, he was basically like a champ, not a champ, because he did have a lip tie, he had a tongue tie, and eventually he did get two cheek ties or buccal ties, which was the reason why it was inhibiting the breastfeeding journey in the first place. But then we were breastfeeding every two hours. I would even wake him up if he was sleeping past that for the first two weeks, even at night. (laughs) And um, he would breastfeed for about like 30 to 40 minutes every two hours. So I was only getting about like 60 to 80 minutes, um, to myself without a baby attached to me every two hours like that's it and it was hard it was a lot I had a great support system with my partner he was he was honestly amazing like so amazing and I feel so grateful for that like again the support I needed that support and he helped so much he was super supportive and I just feel super 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 grateful for him and after the two weeks I didn't wake him up at night so I'd only feed him every two hours during the day and then after four weeks I only fed him on demand but it was basically every two hours during the day anyways so it was, it was kind of the same thing to be honest but around three four weeks I did introduce a pacifier so then his breastfeeding would take from 40 minutes down to 30 to 20 minutes down to 15 to 20 minutes and then we're down to 10 minutes and it was golden I loved it 
only breastfeed on one side. Most some people like to do both sides. I prefer to just do one side and call it quits. I didn't like the idea of having to switch every session and I don't do that. I did have an oversupply and I do think it was honestly because I was feeding him every two hours and he was on my breast for like 40 minutes, like actually suckling. But his latch has never been great and honestly, it's still not that great. But I also have the most leakiest boobs ever so he does not have to work that hard to get milk, which is a different problem. But around it just like his latch wasn't good he also had a lot of like gas issues he what were his other symptoms he would have clicking of the breasts he would I also had a super powerful letdown like literally it's like a power hose coming out of my nipple like it is intense and it was just kind of like ugh like ugh. what were the other things he would unlatch and latch like it would still take long and it was also like the symptoms that he had like it was just really frustrating for both me and him my like nipple would also turn into like a lipstick shape and it was because of his tongue tie and so I think at three months two months two months he we got his lip tongue tie cut by an ENT and then later we found out that ENTs aren't that reliable so we ended up going to a pediatric dentist so we ended up going to a pediatric dentist and they redid it because they didn't get a full release with the tongue because he had a posterior tongue tie and they didn't release his lip either because they didn't think that he had one but he definitely did have one I also saw two IBCLCs which is an international board certified lactation consultant and I saw her twice it was luckily covered by insurance fully covered so that was nice and again another resource another support and she also supported me before the tongue tie release and after and she even noticed that it wasn't a full sub like full release and so we ended up going to pediatric dentist we got it lasered off the tongue the lip and the two cheek ties and it was in a world of a difference right away because he was in so much pain I felt so bad my calm happy baby was like so sad and in so much pain and he was older he was like three months and I just I felt so bad it was like the worst week you had to do stretches and like go in there and stretch out the area and like oh I, I still feel so bad about that but it healed we got through it <laughs> he's a lot better for it like a lot of the symptoms went away I do sometimes still get the lipstick nipple because again his latch still isn't the greatest I'm gonna be honest and I haven't been as like persistent with getting a deeper latch but my milk supply is great I still have slight oversupply I've been able to donate over 250 ounces of breast milk I would have donated more but there's a few months where I just was not saving milk like I just I couldn't be bothered but I'm back up to doing it again I already have like 200 ounces in my freezer and I'm going to donate that soon so and like being able to breastfeed him because it's something that I want I just feel so grateful for and I feel so grateful that I have have the opportunity to breastfeed and being able to have that connection and the ease and the comfortability and just being able to like whip my boob out anywhere I go and just feed my son is just so easy there's nothing to wash you know like I don't have to wash bottles or any of that and it has just been a long journey but honestly I would not have been able to do it without the support resources and access to care and knowledge and patience and also too like the and then the fact that I'm not working definitely eases this journey too because I don't have to worry about bottles for daycare or having to pump at work and there's just so many different levels of inaccessibility when it comes to breastfeeding that nobody talks about and I wish that more people did talk about and I wish that it was highlighted more and it's a tough journey so if you're breastfeeding you're doing a great job no matter how much you're breastfeeding regardless if you're supplementing or not it is a lot of work and I feel grateful that I've been able to do it my boobs are definitely stretched out I remember 
remember when I was feeling so super engorged, like when my milk came in, there were like bricks like on top of me. <laughs> it was so, oh, that hurt so bad. And then having the oversupply, I ended up getting mastitis. I got like five clogs in my breast. And then ever since then, like the milk doesn't come out the same as it used to. And like just so much has happened on this breastfeeding journey and going to Disneyland and realizing that he doesn't empty me fully when he's distracted. So I was like getting clogs and I was like so full. It was just like, like it's a lot like not being able to pump or have access to pump or breastfeed or having the support or resources and all of that is just so frustrating. And what I've learned from this journey of breastfeeding and just everything along those lines is that sometimes like it's not gonna be a straight and easy road to like what you want and if it's something that you really want and it's not inhibiting your mental health it is gonna take time and effort and the time and effort is kind of up to you and what you define and what you believe in but if it is something that works for you then go for it like I honestly believe that we're here to learn certain lessons and so sometimes we get difficulties to help us teach us that lesson that we need to learn and it's not in a way of like oh poor me I can't believe this happened but rather in a way of this happened for me so that way I could learn become and grow and embody the highest level version of myself I just feel so grateful for our journey even though it has not been the easiest even though it has sucked a lot of the times with the mastitis and him not latching and then him not having pee diapers enough poop diapers and just all that stress and then with his symptoms and then having to do the tongue tie release and then my nipples and all the pain and having to use silverettes and now he's biting my nipples like almost every single time and I'm trying to get rid of that because luckily he doesn't have teeth so it doesn't hurt that much but I need to get rid of it before he has teeth but I also don't know if he's doing it because he's getting teeth I don't know but this journey has not been easy and it has been so much work and I'm just grateful for it I'm grateful for the work I'm grateful for the connection that I have with him I'm grateful for the availability that I have the access to resources the education the availability just everything that I have I'm so so grateful for it and like I'm just excited you know like I don't want our breastfeeding journey to end I definitely want to do extended breastfeeding past a year but the AAP and the CDC actually recommend to do it up to two years I think the CDC recommends it up to three I don't think I can do three years I don't know if I can do full two years but it's just I can't believe we're already almost eight months into this journey and I feel grateful that I'm taking the time to share it and maybe I'll share it again after a year of what I've learned and I'm happy that I've been able to donate my breast milk and be able to help other babies and it's just such like a surreal journey like I feel so grateful that we're here and we've made it and despite all the odds and despite everything happening we did it and I'm just super grateful for that so thank you Cyrus thank you me and thankful for everything (laughs) affirmation of the week I choose to do what is best for me at all times. Everyone is better off around me when I put myself first. Thank you so much for listening. It truly means the world to me. And it would mean even more to me if you took the time to rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Give it a big five stars as it helps me reach even more people. If you want more content or to follow me behind the scenes, you can follow me on Instagram at Valerie Joanne or on TikTok at Valerie Joanne. Two R's in Valerie, two N's in Joanne. And if you have the desire to work with me, you can also see all my current offers linked below in the show notes and just thank you again i love and appreciate you so much and always remember you are worthy and you are loved bye